Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome to the Artist of Data Science Happy Hour. It is Friday, May 6th, the first Friday in May. I can't believe it's May already. I mean, years be flying by so quick at this point. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. Hopefully, you guys got a chance to tune into the podcast episode that I released today. A uh, very, very special podcast episode. I interviewed Marcus Dussotoy, um, who is a professor at the University of Oxford. He's well known on the BBC, uh, written a couple of really, really great books. Um, one of my favorite books, which is The Creativity Code, which is all about how deep learning is able to augment uh, humans' creativity and, and human just innovation. Um, I don't know, for whatever reason, deep learning seems to get a lot of hate on LinkedIn specifically. And I don't understand why that is. Deep learning is awesome. You should learn it. Um, like the people that are just hating on deep learning for no reason, I think are just scared of things that they don't understand. Um, deep learning is dope. Learn it. It's amazing. Do you have to learn it? No, nope. but if you're interested in it, please learn it. Deep learning is dope. Um, Greg Coquillo is taking over as host today. Greg, thank you so much for doing this. I'm about to bounce in just a couple of minutes. I'm chilling out here in Osoyoos. Uh, we've got rented like this giant cottage for my uh, son's second birthday. So I've got my parents, my wife's parents, my grandparents, all of us in one house. Uh, luckily, it is a massive, massive cottage so that everyone can have their own space, uh, which is much needed when um, you get as irritable as I do around parental figures. Um, but it's, it's good to be here uh, for, for just a little bit. Greg, I'm about to turn the, the, the reins over to you, my friend. Thank you so much for taking over. I really appreciate it. You guys take care. Have a good rest of the, uh, rest of the afternoon. Greg, uh, this is all yours, man. Cheers. You got it, man. Enjoy time with family. So again, thank you for letting me host this week's happy hour. So I'll try my best to uh, live up to your uh, specialty, right? So enjoy. How's it going, guys? How's it going? It is super great to be with you all. And I'm uh, already enjoying the presence of uh, the uh, familiar faces. We got Auntie, Serg, Abhishek, Tom, and uh, great to have you all here. I'm trying to pull up the uh, screen for the live section. If anybody is like participating, I'll be looking at that to filter out some questions and bring it to the team here. So hopefully we'll have more participations, but for now, a uh, quick thing for you guys, how was your week? Um, did you work on something that was weird or did you work on everything that was expected? You know, uh, uh, what, what can you tell me about the week so far and what you're expecting to do for the weekend to kind of either forget or reminisce what just happened to your life? I'll break the ice. I'll break the ice. Yes. So this, uh, I'm a uh, one hour midget. You know, they in the military, if you have less than 100 days left, they call you a two digit midget. And so I'm not only less than a one digit midget, I'm a one hour midget. Uh, one hour left in my current role. I start a new role next week uh, with a super cool company. I'm really looking forward to it. Already got my new toys, but uh, this week I was trying to solve some problems with uh, the last company, which I'm still on good terms with, good friends with, and um, it it forced me to dive into Docker. I really hadn't learned it 
to the depth that I wanted to. And I found a great inexpensive course for it, enjoying, you know, understanding it better. And then this weekend and uh, my first Monday on the job, I'll be out of town, which they were very cool about. But my baby biological daughter is graduating from college. So we're flying all the way to the other side of our country to be with her for that. And that's me in a nutshell. But Docker is actually a lot easier than I thought it was. And uh, Node is every bit as hard as I ever thought it was, just getting it stalled right and everything. It can be such a bear sometimes. But I was playing with Node inside Docker and wish the examples were different. So I'm eager to hear from someone else, though. Yeah, that's interesting. And by the way, you know, congrats on your uh, for your daughter. It's it must be super exciting, and you're probably reminiscing a lot of the things that you've done when you were in college, and kind of like uh, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure you were there to to accompany her through throughout this journey. And you're probably telling her too, the journey is just getting started, right? She has such a long life ahead of her, and full of adventure and things like that. So that's well, so pretty cool. I have young people all over the world that hang on my words, but not my legal kids. No, you know, they're through listening to dad. They'll listen to me when they get a little older, I'm sure. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, cool. And, and, and you said you just started with Docker. Um, so what makes it, what makes it, why did you think it was a little bit hard for you? So I started learning it about uh, five or six years ago, used it a while, then didn't need to use it. Um, but the way I first learned it was like, throw, throw you in the deep end, don't learn the simple steps. And now I just decided, no, I really need to know it better. There's some reasons I need to start using it. And I am thrilled. It's, it's a great concept. Uh, it's a great tool. It's, it's like having the separation level of a virtual machine without needing all of the virtual machine. It gets its own file system, the container does, and you can have everything isolated from the rest of the file system on your computer that you, you're running an image on inside a container. But that way I can build something for you, Greg, and you can install Docker and you can run the Docker image in a container and it'll work on your machine just like it did on mine. No problems. You won't have to worry about installing dependencies because they'll all be installed in the image. Almost as, well, as strong as me sharing a virtual machine image with you, but not near as big. So if I understand it well, like if you have like multiple containers on your computer, on your laptop, do they all share the same like RAM for your from your laptop, the same memory of your laptop. They're all using the same resources of your laptop and they're limited to that capacity. Yep, CPUs, GPUs, uh, RAM, uh, uh, et cetera. Kernel of the operating system. But where it starts to separate is at the actual file system. The containers get their own file system. That's the that's the first thing to really make sure it's isolated from the rest of your system and it's a true shipping container. That's why their logo is a picture of a whale <laughs> with cargo containers on it. It's a perfect image, but it could be a, actually a, a giant ship that carries those cargo containers instead. 
In fact, uh, the course I'm taking, that's the image he uses. That's very apropos because it, it just gives you such good isolation from the rest of your system. And it, it's truly an isolated container that, that you can ship applications in and run them without issues. That's why it's so popular. And I'm, I'm hearing you said also GPU. So it has the capability of going to online service providers to, you know, well, get computing power outside of just, you know, your laptop, right? I don't know about that yet. I'm just saying the system that it runs on, it will use its resources. It just, it stops at the file system level. It's got its own file system. Gotcha. Good, good. I, I can see it where, you know, it allows better, I guess, communication or collaboration with fellow data scientists. You're sending them something on their laptop. They can work with it. Uh, same environment and things like that. Um, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, I, I actually, uh, uh, it's my first time here, by the way. Um, you know, I've been, uh, I, I saw, I uh, can't remember the gentleman's name uh, that was here before, um, but I saw his uh, YouTube uh, uh, conversation with Daniel Dutu, um, and he had mentioned something about, you know, you guys had this happy hour and maybe you'd be open for, you know, mentorship, <laughs> you know, uh, so that's why I'm here. Um, I am actually uh, don't have a data science background. I'm, I'm actually a chemical engineer by background, uh, but I am uh, trying to transition into data science. Um, so I've been spending quite a bit of time, uh, you know, just learning data science through different uh, websites. One of them is uh, Data Camp. Um, and I just finished about the, the whole module, which was about 77 hours uh, or so. Abhishek, can I, can I ask you a question? Sure. Did you ever do any empirical modeling? Uh, what is that? <laughs> okay, so where you're just fitting um, some math to, you, you have some measured output mm. and you're just doing a fit, a curve fit for that to create a model. Yeah, I mean, I have done that in my past job as a, you know, as a chemical engineer, uh, we deal with lots of plant data, like different data that is originating from- well, the now hang on. So you've done some predictive modeling. Yep. And did you ever do ANOVA? Analysis yeah. of variance. Yeah, analysis of variance, all sorts of Do you ever stuff. do design of experiments? Yep, <laughs> all the time. Abhishek, I christened thee a data scientist who might need to learn some new language, terminology that is. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I, uh, throughout my chemical engineering career, uh, I had to look at a lot of plant data and we used to use this different software. Uh, it's called Pi Process Book. And we used to build dashboards on, you know, which equipment is going to go down, which is going to, you know, how it's operating. But, you know, done predictive data modeling, you know, for past seven years in, in my career. But, you know, and now I'll, I'll, you know, we are programming and I'm looking at all these, you know, all these new stuff and it's linear regression and, you know, all these different things. And it feels familiar, but... You know, it, coming in from a different background, it feels a little bit intimidating 
to to say that oh okay yeah i you know because programming is not my forte but i have worked close to like i said i've i've been working uh you know working on programming since past one year uh not there yet not an expert by any means but uh would love to get some insight over what should i be doing how do i break into this field and you know what are the pitfalls and you know how do you initiate the conversation within uh you know within my organization and i work for a bigger organization uh big big semiconductor company and uh you know it, it's it's uh yeah so that's where i am well abhishek you you and i have similar background i'm an industrial engineer uh okay. but it seems like based on tom and a lot of here here in the comments here into the comment that is uh you've been uh, uh, you are a de facto uh, scientist. So <laughs> I think, uh, you know, all of us here in this channel has had some sort of adventure uh, with data uh, where we've tried to model a certain, uh, um, I guess, pattern that mm -hmm. we suspect we see in the data. And, and, and this modeling helps us either, you know, uh, uh, predict where, what the final output would be. So I used to work for a chemical company mm -hmm. and uh, one of my uh, process engineers uh, colleagues, he's, yep, yep. he was like, it was this chemical company that was like, let's say grinding copper, right? You're putting it in a big tank and then you're grinding to a fine powder in the liquid. And it turns out that copper is actually very uh, potent to like bugs, like that eat wood. So they treat wood with this concoction, right? And mm -hmm. he would model how fast you know, how much time you would take to kind of pulverize these, you know, size, these, these grains of copper to a certain uh, size that is acceptable or small enough that can, you know, it, uh, you know, penetrate the wood material. So yeah. you know, he's modeling, he, he didn't call himself a data scientist, but the way he was modeling those things, I mean, I'm like, man, you're a data scientist. There's nothing else. Like, <laughs> you can tell me how long you will take to grind this thing. And what is the final, you know, size of these, you know, samples and things like that? That's that's the work of a data scientist. And you can tell me what kind of vibration the machines have, and that will predict, you know, a, a final size after X hours of work, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, do do see an opportunity to bring your, I guess, your chemistry know-how to this to this realm of data scientists, and you'll be a much more powerful. Uh, a, a colleague for your friends. Sir, I know you have something to add. You're, you're muted. Sorry, I'm muted, yeah. I just wanted to uh, uh, say welcome to the field. I, I definitely agree that you're, you're already a de facto data scientist. <laughs> I, I mean, I, there's so many people that, uh, you know, perhaps uh, came from, come from a CS background, maybe, you know, worked as a software engineer, never dealt with data, they take one Python course and they think they're already a data scientist because they can do model.fit. And uh, <laughs> that's definitely not it. Um, you're more of a data scientist than they are or ever will be. I mean, you just, if you learn Python or R, I mean, that's it. You have all the tools you need. Thank you for, for saying that makes me very, uh, uh, gave me that energy that I needed, I guess, <laughs> you know. Uh, I have a couple of different mentors at my company too. And, 
they all say like, you know, uh, there is an imposter syndrome that, that you know, I, I tend to suffer from. Uh, and, you know, I, I've been trying very hard, like past month or so, I've been giving close to five to six hours every day, you know, just grinding through, uh, going through that data camp, uh, you know, learning Bash, uh, uh, Py, uh, you know, OOP, um, MongoDB, and, and all, all sort of stuff that they had in the, in the data camp. And, um, uh, you know, I, I still feel like, uh, I, I don't. I don't know what else do I need to do. Uh, so I. I even got my. Uh, I'm actually going to starting my master's here in in uh, artificial intelligence, coming fall. Uh, you know, but um, I've talked to a lot of different people. I'm even doing a, 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 an, a short of an internship within my company uh, as a data engineer. Um, but uh, how, how do you? My, I guess my question is, you know, I, I saw, I see one of the questions, what, what are you wanting to do don't, that you don't already, I, I do want to get into like a pure data scientist role. Um, and I, I was just thinking about like, what else should I be doing? How do you get good at it? Because I, uh, one of the problems that I see that I don't remember all the codes, <laughs> right? I, I write it today and tomorrow I don't remember anything. <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> That's what Stack Overflow is for. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a new programmer uh, problem. It, it's it's, uh, it's it, a heavy it, programmer problem. Okay. <laughs> maybe maybe it's the I, approach that matters the most, right? Okay. Uh, and Eric, I know you probably have some good uh, uh, insights on that. So I'd, I'd like to hear from you. I've got a, a follow-up question for you. So mm. what do you want to do that you're not doing already? You said you want to be in a like a pure data scientist role. Yep. What does a pure data scientist role look like to you? Um, a pure data scientist role would look like someone who is delving, dealing with data on a daily basis. Uh, someone who could model, build dashboards, um, you know, uh, wrangling data. Uh, so right now I'm working as a uh, project uh, manager, project engineer. Um, as a manufacturing project engineer. So I'm, I'm mostly dealing with like building, uh, you know, building physical plants because uh, that's my daily job. And, um, you know, uh, the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to get into this field is because uh, I like the remote aspect of it. And, you know, with the COVID, everything has changed, but they have, they have now started like calling us back, <laughs> you know, uh, just because I have to deal with like uh, physical stuff you know um so yeah so just if i could if, if i could do a little bit more with data uh i, I think i would be uh I'd, that i think that's where i want to be at at it so just just to like i can speak from like where i work <clears throat> so where i work people who build dashboards for example are not the same people who build etl pipelines who are not the same people who build models and okay. so yeah, and so if you are looking for a data engineer role or a data scientist role or a data analyst role or a reporting analyst role or, you know, and so that's why I was, I was just, as you kind of, as you kind of said that, like, in that case, pure data science just means, it, based on what you said and what I kind of processed was like, it's like kind of like having data in the title, but then from there, there's a whole world yep. of like different, of different roles. Is that kind of what you're 
what I'm, am I understanding correctly? Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, if I, I'm sorry, I mis misunderstood your question. The, the end goal is to become a machine learning engineer. Uh, that's, that's where okay. I want to go. Yep. Um, so, but, you know, when I was doing my gig at this uh, organization uh, or sort of an in internship, they had mentioned that, you know, most data scientists, uh, the, the quality of the data that we get uh, is not good. So you have to start with, you first need to understand where the data is coming from and if, if it's clean and if, if it's clean, then you can, you know, go do other things. So the hard part about, you know, data science or any machine learning is, you know, having good data. And I wanted to start at the very beginning in the ingestion phase um, and, and, you know, transformation, ET, doing ETLs. Um, and then once I get good at it, maybe I could transition into a, a little bit more data science and then machine learning and all that. Because I figured, you know, I have the math and stat background. I understand the concepts that the general machine learning uh, talks about. I just don't know the models yet, but I, ha I have a book here in front of me, you know, uh, it doesn't show up, but it, it's the, it's the hands-on machine learning with the SkyKit-Learn and TensorFlow. Yeah. It's the Bible. The one. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody has this book. So, uh, you know, I've been going through that uh, on uh, reading through that and going through YouTube and uh, that's, that's how I've been learning. So. Uh, uh, Tom, uh, I know you have, uh, have an addition, yeah. but I know I want to acknowledge people who may be watching, uh, following directly through LinkedIn. I know Kara Sido Weeks may have, mispronounced the, the last name here, said to a comment that Tom said previously about, you know, Abhishek being a data scientist without him knowing he's a data scientist, is that, you know, whatever Tom said, well stated, language can be so funny. Uh, different words mean essentially the same thing a lot of times. Definitely learning is coming from background uh, in experimental psychology. Um, with that, I have a question later on about psychology in the role you may play in this big field of data scientists and what do you think, you know, this is going next in, in the next 10 years. Uh, but Tom, I'd like to hear from you. Just very quickly, Abhishek. Uh, I don't know if you've opened the chat yet. We were encouraging you in there too, but I put my LinkedIn profile in there. I'd love for you to connect with me. I tried to find you, but wasn't sure what Abhishek Shah you were. That's a oh. more common name than you know. So uh, please connect with me and then I'll make sure you get connected with most of these people too. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, have a, we have a chat group that we'll make you part of so we can help you anytime you need. But you're, I, I, I assure you, it's not going to be hard. It's just more language and new techniques and relating it to what you already know. You'll, you're going to love it. I actually already follow way. you on, on LinkedIn. I didn't, you know, oh, I've, yeah. I've been following you for a very long time, actually. Well, good. I, I'm <laughs> talking about being connected, though, and then we'll add you to that chat group. Most of us here are in it. And if someone wants to be in it that's here today, we're not trying to keep you out of it. Just let us know. It's a LinkedIn chat group. I also uh, want to acknowledge something that Russell said in the chat. I don't know, Russell, if you can go... Uh, if, if your uh, audio works now, uh, if you want to read it or restate it, um, and uh, sure. if you want to read it for me. Can you hear me? Yeah, 
we can hear you. Yeah, apologies everyone. My laptop did a big Windows update earlier in the week and it just killed everything. So my audio is just about working, but I don't think I'm going to get a video uh, today. Um, so just to reiterate what I uh, what I was saying in response to your um, description to Eric's question, Abhishek, uh, mm -hmm. was I heard you say that you were keen to make dashboards and reports. Uh, so my initial response to that was if you're if you're keen to build those types of things and perhaps a, a data engineer um, mm -hmm. direction would be better than pure data science. For me, data science is kind of really getting into the weeds, um, acquiring the data, cleaning the data and transforming the data. The data engineer does some of that, but then transitions that through to the uh, to the end result in a in a report. Uh, and then transitions that into a data analyst. So for me, the data engineer is kind of a good halfway house between the data science uh, and, the, and the actual report production. So that might be a good alternative route for you to consider. Although you then subsequently went on to say that um, ML engineering is yep, probably your ultimate goal. Yeah, that, that's where I wanna be. But, you know, I, I have read, uh, you know, again, all of my knowledge is, sort of like getting in from reading LinkedIn profile to getting internet. And a lot of people say like, okay, you should not transition into an ML engineer right away. You should, you know, try to get into data science first and see how you feel about it. And then you can become an ML engineer. I don't know how much of that is true, uh, but uh, you, you know, <laughs> ultimately, I, I, I guess I, I'm really interested to become a, a machine learning engineer. Sure, sure. I mean, that sounds like a, a great goal to have. And I would um, support your uh, slight skepticism about what you're seeing on social media. You know, take take all of that with a pinch of salt. Don't let it dissuade you from something that you have a passion for. That being said, I think perhaps there's some truth in the, in the you know, don't jump into ML engineering, you know, two-footed with a blindfold on. Uh, get some knowledge in other fields first, but you know, maybe don't spend 10 years doing data science before you go to, to ML engineering, but have a have a good appreciation of a lot of the other fields that relate to that. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, ML engineering is, uh, well, ML engineering and ML ops are two really um, uh, zeitgeist kind of roles at the moment. So you will almost certainly see a lot of that on LinkedIn, especially, and perhaps other social media as well. Uh, and if you're if you're confident that you know what that is uh, and you want to go for it, then yeah, go for it. But as I say, get get a taste and appreciation of other roles that work with it as well, so that you don't uh, you're not too blinkered in your um, in your approach to it. You know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sounds great. So let's see. You're showing a, a book here. You you you're showing the R for data science uh, in the screen. Seems like you have a high affinity for leveraging R for your data science needs. Let me know if you wanna add a few, a few tips for Abhishek. Um, but before you do, let me acknowledge the presence of newcomers, Auntie, you for one, Antonio, great to see you, Joshua and Costa, you guys are here. Eric, as always, uh, always good to see you guys. I'm happy to host here. Don't expect, you know, heartbreak level performance, but I'll try my best to make sure we regulate this cool uh, conversation we're having here. Uh, hopefully your Friday is beautiful. And also if you're watching directly through LinkedIn, feel free to put a question in the chat and I'll make sure to bring it to the panel of experts here. I'm happy to address everything. If I don't know anything, I have plenty of people here who are participating who will in fact point you in the right direction.
with that said, Auntie, welcome again. And if you wanted to add anything about the R data for data real, science. Real quick, Greg, know. I just need yep. to amend what you said. If Greg doesn't know the answer to something, there's plenty of others here that also don't know the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to put you on the spot, Tom. <laughs> Auntie. Yeah, hi. Um, maybe I'll just add that um, one thing at a time when learning a programming language, doesn't matter if it's R or Python, it's, it can be intimidating. I, I at least remember it being so like two, three years ago when I started. I started with this book and got frustrated and almost stopped completely before actually finding data camp and uh, that was a new beginning then for me and then other other things after that but you know one step at a time and uh, my journey has been two three, uh, two and a half years now and I just started in my first data role this week so nice. it might take time but it has been time well spent i think also getting ready that's great that's great uh, that's a great tip right there a lot of times you know we we guess we're so in such hurry to arrive at destination we forget to enjoy the journey right so uh, yeah, you know, exactly. one step at a time is definitely a, a sure way of, of getting there. And who says, why do we always want to get there? Why don't we just say, let's enjoy the journey until we can no longer enjoy the journey? What's there? <laughs> yeah, where's there even? Yeah, where's there? Where's there, right? So um, it, it, I, I'm, I'm constantly reminded of this movie, right? I mention it because my sons always watch it, which is up. Every time this the, the, the guy gets, he wants to get up there, right? Does this adventure and then he finally gets up there with his balloon in his home and then he sits down for like two seconds. He's like, okay, I'm tired, I'm done. Like what's next in the adventure, right? So uh, I love this little analogy of we're going after there and if we actually get there, it's a short lived, you know, bliss and we continuously look for the next steps in our lives. Um, so yeah, um, we, so the original question, Antonio, we were talking about Abhishek was looking into moving into data science and he was looking for some tips in terms of how to go about it. Um, so anything you want to add there in terms of your experience, what has helped you, what angle you, you, you took to approach this, um, I'm happy to hear. And then Eric has a question in uh, the chat here that I'd love to, for you guys to discuss as well. Go ahead, um, Antonio. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I know where uh, Abhishek is coming from because I was in that same role. Because when I got into data science, I just wanted to do machine learning and that was it. Anything else, I'm like, nope, I just want to, I want to predict this cool stuff. Well, I got into work and the director gives me one of the, like a file or something. He's like, hey, can you figure out this for me? And it was like 200 rows or something like, or a hundred rows. And I started doing like machine learning. I spent the whole week because I was determined I was going to be the machine learning person on the team. And 
after a week, I go to him and he's like, oh, I don't need this. I got it done. I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I asked you a, a week. What took you so long? I'm like, well, I was doing machine learning, you know, labeling the data, da, 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 da. And it was basically just looked at me. He's like, you could have manually done this in Excel. Like this was that kind of a task. And to me, that was kind of like, oh, yeah. So it was kind of more of like the lesson I got out of that one was, he didn't care if I was doing machine learning. He didn't care if I was doing it in Excel as long as I got the job done. Mm. And um, the people care about value, right? What value do you bring to my company? Like they don't care if you manually calculate on a piece of paper as long as you get the job done on time for them. So mm. since since then, I was kind of like, all right, maybe like if there's machine learning cases, I will work on it. But uh I need to like do whatever it is. And SQL, I think SQL has brought me so much value and I have brought so much value using SQL and with low hanging fruit in a lot of companies that like the machine learning is, it has specific use cases, right? Where you should use it, but uh, just be, make sure that you're not too eager to just go straight to that because it's just a tool, right? Uh, querying database, it's a tool. Loading the database, it's a tool just as machine learning is. So, um, I get where you're coming from, though, because it's very shiny. It's very exciting. But once you start doing it and you start cleaning, 90% of the time you're cleaning the data, you're like, crap, I don't want to do machine learning anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and also like what Russell said, uh, if, if that's what you're passionate for, don't let us like dissuade you from it, you know, go for it. Yeah, um, I'm not looking for like, you know, I don't, beggars can be choosers, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not looking for a particular, you know, Am I going to do this? Am I going to do that? I am looking for a job in data science. So, you know. Learn. Well, then I would say learn SQL because it doesn't matter if you're a data engineer, ML engineer, uh, data analyst, you'll need to find the data using SQL or something similar. So, I've, I've done some SQL. Yeah. Good. All right. If there are any other comments for Abhishek, hopefully you've had, you know, some good tips today and that you've uh, at least, you know, uh, encountered many people here who are more than willing to give you more tips offline. So feel free to connect with them or continue to follow. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure there's one Dr. Tom Ives on LinkedIn. So he's going to hook you up with everything you need. So um, Eric, thank you. you have a question. Yeah, so I've tried to figure out and read job descriptions and things like that at different times to try and understand what the difference is, if there is one between a data engineer and an analytics engineer. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just a uh, hype in the title or if there's actually a difference or anything. And so I was hoping for an explain it like I'm five answer to that question. What's the difference? I can take a quick stab at this based on my vague understanding and I, Totally love your question because I can get some help in terms of like knowing uh, uh, what, you know, um, what it is. So before I go there, for Abhishek, uh, a comment from Harpreet, tune into some older episodes of the Happy Hour as well. There are a lot of great advices that you can get uh, there if you want to know more. So thanks, Harpreet. Make sure you continue to enjoy your time off with your family, buddy. Um, so data engineering. In my opinion, it's the, uh, I guess, the discipline of, you know, helping 
creating value of data and making data accessible to downstream consumers. And for that, you have a lot of work that you have to do from, you know, uh, collecting data, maintaining pipelines, uh, making sure that, you know, access is controlled with security protocols and things like that, making sure that, you know, the performance of these pipelines are in check, et cetera, et cetera. There may be other things there too. Again, this is my Greg understanding of what data engineering does, and it empowers a lot of downstream teams like data scientists, um, analytics engineers, or you know business analysts, where they can go there. At the minimum, a data scientist would take a pipeline built by a data engineer and do some minimum cleanup, and then pour in their techniques, statistics, and everything like that to generate more insights about the data. So without a data engineer, a solid data engineer team in a state-of-the-art company or whatever who says or who pretends or who declares that they leverage machine learning, I don't think they can do it without a data engineer unless the data science team or the core data science team have that you know, capability of doing it themselves. Now, the analytics engineer, the way I understand it, if I, if, I, if I take the word analytics, that means you know what you're analyzing. So to me, analytics engineer has more of a domain knowledge about something. So it's more of a reduced scope in terms of like, I'm good at this. Um, and hey, Zach, Zach is over there. Hey, thank you, Zach. Great to have you uh, uh, um, looking at us on LinkedIn. Um, so by the way, I'm explaining this because I read something that Zach Wilson said uh, about data engineers and analytics engineers. So I kind of like thought about it and it makes sense. So an analytics engineer has a little bit of more domain knowledge. It could take, or he or she could take, you know, pipelines from a data engineer and kind of generate value based on like key insights about, about a domain. Um, and it also knows a lot about, uh, less about coding, but more about you know, creating fast pace, uh, uh, I guess, insights to downstream people like leadership and things like that. I don't know if I'm explaining it well. If anybody else has a better explanation than I do for analytics engineer and data engineer, feel free to uh, uh, chip in. I'm happy to, to learn here. So it's a good moment for that. Or if you have an example of it, even if it's a fake example. Yes, that would help. A fake, a fake example would help. Anybody, anybody else can take a stab at data engineering, analytics engineering. So Harpreet, uh, while anybody's thinking about it, Harpreet linked to this um, post from Zach Wilson, which I guess was from like earlier this week. So glad I'm glad I'm seeing this. I uh, said analytics engineers sit between data engineering and data analytics. Analytics engineers at Netflix when Zach was there were called spanners because they worked on pipelines, metrics, dashboards, and experimentation. They usually work in a vertical business area where they create valuable insights, requires more business acumen and communication skills than data engineering. Hmm. Okay. And then I think we kind of understand data engineers as being that larger, kind of like what you, exactly what you said, Greg. So I guess that kind of like makes me wonder, you know, like what is it that what is it that 
an analytics engineer does that say a an analyst who might build dashboards and do experimentation doesn't do is it that they do some, is that they have some kind of access to you know creating a pipeline of some sort or making an adjustment to the data that comes in from a data lake or something I'm trying to figure out then i guess if if the difference between a data engineer and an analytics engineer is is pretty significant then i wonder what's the difference between an analytics engineer and the person on the other side of them if they're like i'm embedded in a vertical in my role a couple of them uh but I can't quite do everything that's on this list. So for me, I, I kind of see the difference being I have to ask a BI engineer when I need a, another like variable added or something like that. But I wonder if anybody else has other thoughts. Well, amidst this uh, discussion of whether we use fake data or synthetic data, I just want to be brutally honest, especially with Abhishek. Uh, Eric probably gave great definitions, but good luck getting... 99 other data scientists or ML engineers or data specialists to agree with what he just said. Also, Abhishek, the reason you're in good company is no one can even keep up with the explosion of techniques and knowledge in this field. So you've got to choose carefully. And um, that's why you need to be the master of your own learning plan. And it'll be directed by the needs of your career. But I will tell you this, if you'll really focus hard on the concepts, you'll be able to keep up easier and learn new things faster as you go along. That's, that's my top advice. Yeah, and, and I can tell too, like different, different uh, companies call them different roles too, right? I know companies who are using software engineers as the ML engineers, right? They're the ones who are kind of like, putting it all together, integrating with like production, you know, apps and things like that. So a cost of, I'm happy to, to, to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. It's gonna be so different for every single company, right? Like it depends on the scale of your business. It depends on the, the kinds of problems that you're trying to uh, attack as well, right? Um, for example, at, at, at Max Kelson, where I'm at right now, um, I, I'm kind of an ML engineer, kind of a data engineer, kind of a data scientist, all kind of rolled into one, right? Uh, so our verticals are very much your ML engineers who are, you know, we have to take care of the data pipelining as well as slip into a data scientist role where we're looking at the modeling and the analytics coming out the other side. Um, our horizontals are more our infrastructure team that are looking at, uh, you know, uh, managing the larger infrastructure in the in the back end, how we're set up with Kubeflow, how we're set up with GCP, how we're set up with AWS, uh, things like that, right? Um, so what's a horizontal and what's a vertical is going to vary based on the stage of progress that your business is at, the size and scale of your business. Now, eventually parts of this, the more focused you are, the, the less custom each task and each analytics piece becomes, the more you can kind of standardize and say, hey, look, all of the data that we collect is focused on this area. Most of the data is going to go through a certain set of standard uh, predetermined engineering into a data lake or something like that, right? So that's where your data engineers kind of switch from being a part of the vertical uh, focused on a particular business operation because that's going to vary each time to a different company where you're not focused on multiple verticals. You're focused on 
the horizontal as a data engineer, where you're provisioning the data, where you're provisioning what the data looks like to make it easy for experimentation, right? So uh, as you get to scale, more and more things will switch from be as you switch, sorry, as you scale and focus, more things will go from being a vertical action to being a horizontal action, right? Whereas the, the wider your focus is, the more these things belong in a vertical because it's specific to the task being achieved by that business unit. So trying to understand where are your skills aligned to the process and where do you fit it in with the horizontal slash vertical structure of the team is going to vary from the team, right? So now I know kind of where my skills sit and I know that in some teams I may end up being part of the horizontal where I'm provisioning data and some teams I will be part of the vertical where I'm actually using that for analysis, right? Um, so yeah, it's just about being really aware of where your strengths are, where your skills are. And uh, I think this, like, it's very difficult to say one size fits all. This is a data scientist. This is a data engineer. There's, there's a big question on who's a data scientist, who's an ML engineer, who's an ML ops uh, engineer. You know, let's not even start with that, right? And then a data engineer. These are kind of amorphous terms at this point. Um, and it's really going to depend which team you're in. Yeah, well, well said, Gustav. In, in, uh, I love analogies. I know Russell dropped some, some uh, goodies in there. And then we'll go to Antonio. Uh, Russell says, think of a professional kitchen, or a small kitchen, uh, where a small kitchen, the sous chef and the head chef may create everything between them. Um, whereas a large-scale Michelin starred a kitchen will have multiple sous chefs, pastry chefs, um, hands in kitchen runners, uh, yet each individual kitchen will have their own style and balance. Um, it's, as Tom uh, said earlier, it's still in the early ages and people are still uh, struggling to define what should be what. So uh, it really depends on the company needs. Uh, Antonio? Yeah, so I was, I was looking up a little bit on definitions on different sites, what it says. So it says like a data engineer, it's just a focus on the technology and like optimizing the data warehouse. Whereas the analytics engineer kind of knows that a little bit, but he's more, uh, he or she is more focused on like more business focus, maybe taking that data from the warehouse and manipulating it and putting it in a format usable for the data analyst. And then the data analyst, data analyst is the person who might know a little bit of that data analytics engineers work, but they're more niche is like digging deep into the data, investigating it and like kind of using it. But with that being said, is like what you guys said was every company is going to try to put you in as many roles as they can to save money. Uh, I was a BI analyst doing all of the data engineering for like one of my old teams, you know, I always tell them, I'm like, call me whatever the hell you want as long Whatever pays the most, that's what the title is. If you're going to pay me more as a data engineer, just put my title to that. Uh, like, you know, the work is going to be the same. So I kind of like played it strategically. I'm like, whatever pays the most, that's what I want to be called. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Fully agree. On, on that note, one thing um, I wanted to ask, one question I had for you guys. Like, do you guys believe at some point we'll start separating the roles a little bit more? where, for example, data engineers will be more isolated um, instead of versus building a team where you say, we have to have a data engineer in there. 
like where do you see this going over the next 10 years if possible so no i think it's it's going to take some time for the terms to flesh out and the best practices to arise um uh boy this is a hot topic isn't it guys <laughs> it's a it's a, a firebrand but um like even the term and i i know they exist but they're they're unicorns um and i would love to be one but a, a full stack data scientist i'm like okay forgive my language but damn that that's there's so much to keep up on i mean can even one machine handle all of that? And yeah, I can, but um, it's cool to be able to be that. But really, if the company's thinking, okay, we're gonna we're gonna do this SaaS, we're just gonna have a full stack data scientist. I'm like, okay, and you plan to scale that way? I don't think so. Um, I don't know. I'd love to hear if anyone disagrees because I'd I'd love to be able to be the only guy at a company that could do all that, but the volume's just, is so big. I'm gonna shut up. Costa? It's funny, I actually don't think we're gonna converge on like specialist titles that are gonna stay there. Like, I, I just don't see that happening for a long time. Like, Hey, I don't see that happening for a long time. Like I'm talking on the scale of like five to eight years. Um, B, I don't see that sustaining for a very long time. Even if we do converge on a, on a particular set of, hey, this is what a data engineer is, this is what a data analyst is, this is what a data scientist is. Even if we actually do as an industry somehow manage to come to common ground on that, right? Two things are going to happen. One, you're actually going to see what happens in the web dev space, Right where you're, um, while you might have specialist backend engineers, DevOps and front end, the people that get the, the largest pay are still gonna be your full stacks of people that are gonna be able to, you know, wheel a deal or everything, right? That's still gonna happen. So you're gonna get this amorphous nature of skills in there. And B, the field's gonna move. Something else is gonna come up and change. The platforms are gonna change entirely. I, I mean, is it likely that we're going to stick with the exact same tooling and, and, set up and processes that we do now? Is the nature of how we approach data going to be the same as it is in, in five to eight years time? I, I highly doubt it, right? So I don't see much value in kind of trying to converge and define, oh, what is this? As an industry, we need to define this because it's just going to vary so much. And, and the fact is, right? What is data is so different when you talk to someone in robotics versus when you talk to someone in telecom, when you talk to someone in banking or finance, right? Um, it's just so uh, domain specific, unlike in the past when you're talking about web development or app development, right? That's been far less domain specific than what we're doing now because so much of what we're doing is tied into how we access the data, right? Um, so it's going to be a larger challenge to converge on this one. And that convergence isn't going to sustain for very long. It's kind of my gut feeling about that based on nothing at all, by the way, but you know. Cool, cool, cool. Well said, well said. I don't know, Antonio, if you wanted to add something, uh, somebody else was starting to talk to before at the beginning, if you have any uh, thoughts about whether we will start separating the roles for example, a data engineer 
may be pulled out of a data science team so they can search, I mean, serve the, the bigger group. If you have any questions in the chat uh, uh, of directly from LinkedIn, feel free to put some questions there. I'll bring it to the, the panel here. Uh, Serge, let's go to you. Yeah, I think, uh, <clears throat> yeah, they'll, the same thing. I, I agree with Kostab. I, I think it will go the way of, of web development. I think for for a while now, I think the the focus has been, and also the larger pay, uh, paychecks have been going with people with serious like uh, programming skills. Uh, and I think over time that will change as, uh, you know, no code and low code tools become more and more used and robust. Um, I think the focus will become more people that can that can also deal with a lot of uh, interpretation of the data, interpretation of the models, um, and uh, also more advanced techniques involving causal modeling, uh, testing. There'll be new roles for that. Uh, model, you know, machine learning auditor or AI auditor, um, and I think that will create another kind of rigor in the field that currently is all on the how and not the why. Um, and I, I think that will become central to a lot of things going on in the future. But whether there, there's still gonna be a need for data engineers, there's still gonna be a need for data analysts. I think those titles might, they might change. I, I don't think the, the job function itself won't change. Uh, it won't cease to exist altogether. Um, I. I probably thought early in, in my web development career that, okay, like nobody's going to be using, I don't know, like PHP in 20 years. And, and here we are, people still use PHP and, and JavaScript is still a thing. And, and there is still front end and back end development. It's just uh, a lot of these roles have been abstracted in different frameworks. Um, so I think the same thing will happen. Cool, cool. And on that note, Serge, you, you created this cool mapping uh the other day probably like a month ago that you published it i really liked it and and what was the inspiration behind that like you had you had so many things come together there and you really showcase how it was an adventure like at sea like a pirate adventure and yeah. you know what was the inspiration behind that and how did you you know come about you know adding different you know I guess roles that people not conventionally thought that would be part of the data science journey from actuaries to operations research with that, which I have a background in, uh, in other, other disciplines. Well, I, I had, uh, this, um, event to newcomers to the field. I was invited to speak at this developer conference. And it was to people that were interested in data scientists, but don't weren't data scientists yet, or maybe weren't even thinking of being data scientists. And uh, I, I thought, well, how do I introduce them to this topic in a way they haven't thought of it before? Because especially if you're coming at, from a developer point of view, your point of view is, okay, I, all I need to do is get better at Python and, and learn to go model.fit and that's it. I'm, I'm a data scientist, as I explained earlier. And, and uh, I, I wanted to show them there's a lot more to that and there's a lot of different areas and you come come of it to another angle, um, which is more about the data. So like a more data centric viewpoint. And I think a lot of these fields you mentioned are inherently a lot of, you know, very data centric. 
you know, uh, actuarial science and uh, um, also um, a lot of business intelligence, very data centric. And, and people don't see it as necessarily always data science, but it is. It is more, I think it's closer to data science than, you know, a lot of ways people think of machine learning, which is just simply from a software engineering standpoint. And don't get me wrong, I think software engineering is important, but that is that is more about the how and less about the why. And I think at the, at, at the heart, I think it's uh, a lot like, uh, you know, like if you want to be a really good carpenter, you have to know about wood. You know, you have to be an expert on wood. <laughs> it's not about knowing how to use all the tools. It's it's, it's knowing what you're chopping and, and you know, what kind of, um, what kind of tools you should use and when you should use them. And I, I, I worry about people going so being so tool centric because they're not really learning the fundamentals of the field. So that map is about, okay, let's explore all the area and play around with it, you know, and, and, and learn how to apply it in your domain, in your field before you're like all crazy, like Antonio said, like I'm going to do machine learning on my first day. And I, I had an intern a couple of years ago, when he started, he was like, okay, I want to use deep learning. Where can I use deep learning? And uh, I had to like, calm down. We'll get to that. You know, first clean this data, right? Um, awesome, awesome. Um, Serge, where does an architect uh, fit, a uh, data architect fit to this? This is a question from Costa. I think uh, data architects are essential, I think. Uh, like people that do the different kind of modeling. Um, I've, I've heard people like uh, people that, uh, that, you know, call themselves data modelers uh, at conferences. They, you know, they've said, well, I'm a modeler, but not the modeler you can imagine, not machine learning model or a data modeler. So they create models, they, they architect, uh, uh, you know, uh, where data warehouses and, and uh, come up with conventions. I think that rigor is very much necessary in the field. I think uh, we there's nothing more dispiriting for a data scientist than encountering a, a data swamp. They tell you, here's my data lake, and it's really a data swamp. Um, I've had to deal with that. It's it's a nightmare, and you just wish someone had come along and uh, made it more navigable, you know, because it, it just uh, you you spend so much time cleaning that you can't get to the what you you consider real work and honestly it is data cleaning is 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 not what we're intended to do we're intended to find uh, find value in that and but if we spend all our time cleaning it it's really hard to find value whether it's through like insights dashboards kpis or models we just can't find it in 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 dirty you know swamps so i i think an architect helps kind of build, if, it, if they're building something from scratch, they're gonna make it a proper data lake. And if they have the fortunate task of, of kind of re-engineering the whole thing um, in a way where it's not getting swampy over time, um, yeah, it's very much appreciated from our end of the, of the field. But I think data architects are, are integral to the kind of data science, um, I guess, ecosystem. Cool, that's awesome. And um, what what do you guys think about the role that philosophy can play in in data science? Um, you know, I feel like it's helped you know software development a lot. 
But what 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 about data science? Do you see it more? Uh, do do you think it's needed? Um, and where do you think this is going? Um, you you you've raised your hand pretty fast, and yeah, I hope, I hope Serge will back me up on this. Asking if uh, philosophy has a place in data science is like asking if the water goes in the pool. Um, this is philosophy. It's a branch of philosophy. Now, how I, I actually, boy, I, I don't like to talk this way very often, but just because of the importance of this question, I'm gonna go on ahead and just say, I am a doctor of philosophy. That's what my PhD means. And I took that very seriously when I was getting it and started realizing this is a branch of philosophy that has to deal with best practices in the field of designing mechanical and multi-physical things. And then when I realized how important predictive modeling was and all of that, um, it extended. And then I realized, well, this means that all of STEM is just a big area of philosophy. It's not all of philosophy, but when you look at the principles and the arts of philosophy, that it, it's really a set of best thinking practices, how we get from A to B to understand the world better. Well, that's what we do. It's, this is integrally part of philosophy, everything that we do. If we don't think that way, we're actually falling short because we're always trying to do things better. And that really, to the betterment of mankind, we're, we're examining the way we uh -oh. go about So that is a part of philosophy. Thanks, Tom. Um, Costa? This is more kind of adding to that question than maybe answering it. But um, I think, like, I've been listening to a lot of reading some of the, like, uh, classic original kind of texts and books within the software engineering realm. I've been going over that again, right? Uh, a lot of Uncle Bob's stuff and, you know, some of the stuff out of the, like, I, I literally started reading the, what was the old C book, the Koenig and Ritchie, I think it was. Started reading that again, just to like kind of go over some of the, what did we think were the basics and the key parts of programming? Um, from back then, because that grounds me in, in a lot of what I do as a robotics engineer as well as a computer vision engineer, right? Um, so I'm kind of curious regarding the philosophy of data science. I feel like back then, if you went back to ask people, what's the philosophy of software engineering? It was a question of how do we operate as software engineers to bring value to the world? Whereas now most discussions on the philosophy of data science is less on the how do we operate, it's more on the what problems are we focusing on, the ethical aspects of it. So I'm wondering what's the space for both of that going forward? Like whenever we talk about philosophy of data science, we're rarely talking about the how of the operations. We're also we're, we're typically sort of talking about the ethics and the and the why, right? Um, but I'm curious to see, I, and I guess the time is the only true answer to that, right, is 
what's going to happen in this next decade because we've had that foundational decade of uh, you know spurge of technology and you saw this with software engineering you saw engineering you saw that you know um 70s essentially late 60s early 70s the foundations of software engineering kind of settling into its scores and then the philosophies of okay there's bad ways and good ways of doing things started coming out and then the wires of software engineering started coming out you're going to see a similar thing start to formalize itself um i don't know whether we're going to have like a rogue summit of agents from different companies come together for it or we're going to have too many of those that they never agree with each other um maybe that's part of the problem but uh, not sure i'm really curious to see where that goes and maybe in 10 years time we'll have something like you know the agile manifesto but for data science right um yeah i've i've been wondering about that too will we see an agile manifesto version uh, for data science uh erica sidowicier said ethics experimental study design data collection storage analysis reporting all of these involve considering how to avoid doing harm to the individuals who you're studying uh, uh, or their data and to make sure you're spreading true knowledge which are findings i.e make sure there's a firm foundation of validity to data collection and analysis before you tell people what they mean um so yeah happy to uh, would would love to hear uh, anybody on this uh to build on customs uh thought process here if you have any Floyd GTC writes it I will say <laughs> Serge what do you what do you think you're you're muted um yeah, I think I agree with Gustav. I think uh, a manifesto would be useful. It's just when when a technology is so new, it's kind of hard to come up. I mean, you you really have to be a visionary to think, okay, how will be this be used? You know, what are the boundaries or constraints we should put in place? Um, you know, you you don't want to uh, hinder innovation, but at the same time, you have to realize what you know what kind of uh, you know, challenges and potential threats that technology poses. I, I guess we're, we're at a point where it can all already be anticipated, where you can already kind of write something. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's just the question of, of, of getting, getting uh, um, you know, the visionaries in one room to, to write it down, or maybe a single one. Like I, I, I nominate Greg, <laughs> Lord GCC. <laughs> it, take, it, take, it takes a village, right? It takes a village to think long-term and, and figure out what, what can be done. I think a lot of things are happening now to kind of mold how things should be, which is we're constantly, you know, if we're saying that AI or ML is new or data science is new, uh, how can we as a community or a larger community think about you know who to involve right so let's not keep it as a you know closed environment where we're not inviting let's say a psychologist or a lawyer in or uh somebody else a lawmakers or whatever uh in to understand um how to use this technology while you're protecting you know uh, uh the well-being of society or things like that right so it's long-term thinking and also the most complicated thing is how do you do all of this while accounting for a different culture, right? So culture is something that's very important. 
you know, based on the country that you're in, you may uh, value something that another culture doesn't. So how do you do all of that with the same AI ML system? And that to me is the big challenge. Um, you wanna add anything else? Yeah, um, uh, oh, sorry. My reactions are going crazy here. Um, oh, I meant to start this with Lord GGC or GC, Lord GCC. <laughs> No, it's GGC. You messed up there, sir. Um, it, just so y'all know, we're, we're teasing Greg in the chat. He is Today, he is Lord Gary Gregoire Coquillo. And no, we're not mad at you, Gary, or Greg. <laughs> no, but seriously, to the point that we're making right now um, and how we all wanted to welcome and encourage Abhishek into our brotherhood, our, excuse me, our siblinghood, because we have some really smart women among us, too. Um, <clears throat> is this, think about the most exciting cutting edge area of data science. And by the way, to me, it's not transformers. They're super cool, but I still think the pinnacle is reinforced learning. Now think about, well, yes, there were a lot of petty mathematicians that made that possible, but who was the father of reinforced learning, a Canadian psychologist who decided he really wanted to figure out how to mimic the way organic organis or or organisms learn. And he did it. Now he did it with math, but I think it took that, that psychological mind as the foundation rather than the mathematical mind. He did learn the math, but it was you know, Richard Sutton. And that's why we really need to welcome and encourage these people from other fields coming into our field because they add so many new concepts to what we're doing, so much uh, extra thinking. Well, Pavlov was important too, of course, and so was, uh, I, I, I will fail to name everyone, but uh, Markov, and uh, Bellman, uh, all these important people to reinforce learning going on. Awesome, awesome. I love, I love that, that uh, uh, anecdote about reinforced learning. So thank you, Tom, for this, for this uh, insight. As Kossab, you want to add some more stuff to hear those? Yeah, um, uh, I guess the, the, the distinction between uh, the time at which the Agile Manifesto kind of came together and now is back then they were comfortably operating in the shadows. They were able to meet as experts, come up with an opinion, really boil it down to something and then slowly disseminate it through the workspace, right? But now uh, because of the sheer density of communication that we're seeing, the, the availability of communication that we're seeing, I mean, the fact that we're able to have this discussion right now from across the world. I'm sitting in Australia on a Saturday morning and we've got people from all over the world, from the UK, from the US, Canada, you know, you name it, right? That changes the way in which we operate with that. So like we're less, we we're forced to be more open, right? Which inherently also means anyone, including myself, knowing nothing about, you know, 99.8% of the like data science field, I could go, and Finland, absolutely. Um, never forget the Finns, right? Best Formula One drivers ever. Just saying. I'm on another Formula One weekend. So here we go. 
Um, but essentially, it's it's going to be um, difficult to really try and separate the wheat from the chaff here, right? I could go not knowing anything about the data science field, right? Not knowing less than 2% of it. I could go write a manifesto of my own. And I can almost guarantee if you like market it the right way, you can get a solid couple thousand people really backing it and swearing by it. And you're probably going to have 400 variants of this. You see it all the time, right? This medium article is like, oh, this is the right way to work in this. And then another medium article that says bang opposite suggestion, right? And then a half a dozen Reddit threads about, uh, you know, this, that, and the other. Like you see it all the time, right? So as an industry, it's kind of difficult to try and agree with each other because there are so many voices now, right? Um, so how much is it a matter of, as a company, we establish what is our manifesto for working well, um, and what I've noticed is across different fields, not just in data science, what is working well and operational excellence mean to one company totally different to another company, right? It depends on the scale. It depends on the personalities. It depends on the nature of the company, the behaviors of the company, the culture, right? Um, so while I'm curious to see if we do as an industry come up with a manifesto for data science, I'm also like, is it less that and more like a series of, let's say, sex within the larger religion of data science with our own little tome that adds to the collection of, uh, you know, biblical content, if you will. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And uh, if anybody else has any uh, comments about the power of philosophy in the world of data science, feel free to chip chime in. If anyone on the chat directly on LinkedIn has any questions, please submit them here. I'll uh, push them through the, the panel here. But uh, since we're approaching the end, you know, Auntie has a list of questions here. Maybe we can use that to close it out. Um, and there are a set of three questions. Maybe we can make a quick round uh, from each of you guys to uh, give a quick powwow here. So Auntie has a sweet uh, series of questions. Um, so in terms of like role, your first role in data science, what was your first? Uh, do you still remember what was the biggest lesson? And three, what would you have liked to know uh, before starting uh, that you didn't? Um, I can uh, take a quick stab at it and then whoever wants to go next. And I think for me, I've always had like a role where I had to tinker with data. So being an industry engineer, uh, think supply chain or process engineering was my first role actually in the manufacturing sites. So statistical process controls uh, really was my first, first um, I guess, uh, adventure with, with data. One of the biggest lessons is, you know, never tinker with data to fit your agenda. Um, and the, one of the things that I've, I wish I, I learned before is you know always approach a situation with a critical thinking mindset, uh, right? You're not here to be the you know uh, Debbie Downer or something like that, but always approach it where you're exploring, you're questioning, you're forming hypotheses, and then go into the data to uh, confirm these hypotheses. Who else wants to go next with this series of three questions? I can nominate two with my hosting power invested in me. I choose search. <laughs> um, 
closing remarks. Um, I can't think of anything. Uh, what What do you want to say? What? Um, so, what was your uh, first? What was your first role with data? Uh, what What was the biggest lesson you've learned, and what do you wish you've learned you've known before uh, uh, before adventuring into that role? You didn't know okay. before. Okay. Okay. First role in data. Oh, it's hard to tell. I mean, the first time I used SQL was in my first uh, web development role. I guess that could be a, you know, because there was a lot of data. It was for an online betting site. And that was in 1999, a long time ago. Uh, so I, I, I call that my first role in data um, because I learned a whole lot about databases, about managing data, about querying data and so forth. Um, what, what did I wish I learned? I, I wish I would have learned um, Python earlier. I wish I would have learned uh, data wrangling earlier. I think I was toiling around with Excel for too long. <laughs> and um, what was um, what was the third question? I'm so sorry. So the, the, I'm, the, I'm spacing the third, out. third question is uh, uh, what what is the biggest lesson you've learned based on that first experience? Oh yeah, that first experience. Um, biggest lesson was. Uh, I, I guess, well, back in those days, a big deal was, you know, how do you keep, um, how keep things small, keep the database small. So I learned a lot of techniques to not only make my code very efficient, but also the database structure is very efficient. I, I guess that's like a lost art these days, but <laughs> it was very useful to, so I could understand how to make, uh, be a, a more efficient coder in general. And um, and to always have that in mind, you know. Awesome, thank you so much. And uh, who else wants to go take a stab before I exercise my hosting powers onto you, panelists? Custom, you want to give it a try? Uh, yeah, um, I guess uh, I'd almost argue I've never worked in a data role and I've almost always worked in a data role. Um, I mean, uh, I'm a robotics engineer. And for me, machine learning was that additional layer of bringing sentience into robotics, right? That, that's, that's kind of my long-term goal is how do you make robots see the world and understand semantically the world around them and act in that way, right? So my, like, uh, I've always worked with computer vision problems. That's been my focus. So whenever someone says you must learn SQL, I'm like, I don't know any SQL. I'm guessing SQL here, right? Like I'm not a SQL ninja by any measure, right? Um, I guess, yeah, so for me, my first entry into it was more from like a computer vision. Um, it was like a defect detection kind of role, right? So that's where I was working. Um, I was looking at a manufacturing line. How can we reduce uh, defects coming out of it? And it was very computer vision focused, very autonomy and robotics focused. Um, and a lot of what I do continues to remain in a similar kind of, a similar kind of vein, right? Um, is there something I wish I could have learned earlier? Um, I would kind of say uh, Python testing strategies, right? How do you formulate test strategies for a code base? Um, that to me is really important and I'm still learning that now. And I, I just feel like, you know, even from something like 
oh, you can simulate GCS in your test, right? That's like mind blowing to me. And I, by the way, found out about that yesterday at about 3.45 in the afternoon. And I'm like, wow, wait, you can do that? Right. So I'm, I'm like, I think testing and, and how do you plan out testing on a, on a, you know, data focused system? I'm still learning that now and very much keen to learn more about it. Wish I'd known that a couple of years ago. Um, was that the two questions? Or was that okay? biggest lesson? I think you put that in there, right? What was your biggest lesson based on your first experience with data? I, I think biggest lesson is actually as a group whatever whatever space you're working on the data on is understanding why right now that that first role i was in a manufacturing team doing computer vision r d right i was the only person focused on that the team's focus was very much split because as a manufacturing team you care about the yield percentages as an r d thing you're way down like you know technology readiness levels zero one and two it's a totally different mindset right and that can cause fr frustration and friction and just slow down the process right so if you can align your your focus and your why with the team's why right Everyone who's supporting you and, and, and forming that foundation around the work you're doing, if, if you can align on why that's happening, that purpose will drive the, the facilitation and the quality of what comes out, right? Um, if, you can't, if you can't come together as a team on why it's being done, it's not going to get done well. So, Awesome, awesome. Tom, Dr. Tom, you want to... Give it a push? Yeah. Uh, this one's a good question to me. I really wish I could. Well, there, there are young people that I counsel all over the world. And it's interesting, Greg. What they need the most help on is not necessarily the data science. It's the, hey, it's counterproductive to beat yourself up. Hey, forget imposter syndrome. You are, we all aren't where we want to be. We need to just focus on learning and growing. Someone harsh says something to you, so what? Filter it. Take what's true about it and add it to your list of things to improve on. You're in a room and you're not the smartest person in the room. Welcome to the club. Take note of how you want to grow and put it on your list. Just focus on learning and growing and enjoy each step. Throw out imposter syndrome, throw out judging yourself, throw out beating yourself up, just enjoy the growth. You'll get much further that way. Are you in a crappy role where they treat you crappy? Recognize it and keep doing your best work until you can get out of it. Are you in a great role? Don't stop looking for a better one. Just keep learning and growing. Keep pushing yourself, but don't Beat yourself up. Don't burn yourself out. Don't ruin your health over any of it. Walk at a good pace mentally. Growth. Growth. I, I just, I have to preach that to so many young people. It, it boggles my mind. But then I think, Tom, you would have to preach that more to yourself if you went back in time than to anyone else. Some great food for thoughts here. Um, Great closing statements too, unless someone wants to add something until you want to add something or did uh, we answer your questions that you were wanting to 
to have some insights on? Yeah, I know it's it, it was uh, it's a um, broad question, so all answers were great. So thank you for those. Yeah, awesome. And I'm, awesome, I'm awesome. not that young anymore, but still, Tom's advice is always good. I've I've, I've heard the message with all, all all my fibers, right? So it it resonates a lot. Uh, you know, I've been in different situations and. I've learned from a lot of you guys from your insights so it was very good thank you all for giving me some uh, in the audience some good good things to go go with uh, hopefully it's going to be an even better week next week so uh in the meantime please do enjoy your weekend so let's go ahead and close it for now and to paraphrase our pre our original host you've got one life on this earth why not go out and do and try and do something super big so you guys enjoy thank you again for your time and i'll see you soon hopefully you guys enjoy the conversation thank you thanks lord gary gregoire kukuyo talk to you soon guys